season's going to end on a double doink. Doink. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. That's what you want to know? It's the T.C. Martin Show. Yeah, I had an idea. Diagnosis. I had an idea, and then, uh... Prognosis. Yeah, I take the serious. Osmosis. Why, it's funny? It wasn't, it wasn't funny. I wasn't laughing about anything. Yeah. It's not funny. It's not funny. Nothing's funny. Don't you ever talk about me. Yeah, I had an idea. That's the result you're going to get. It's the doctor, T.C. Martin. I don't go out there and laugh. laugh the doctor laugh. is now in. Yes, it is a terrible Tuesday edition starring Numchuck, no doubt about it, and several others as well, too. Glad to have you with us on this Tuesday afternoon. lot to do, a lot to talk about today. Thurl Bailey going to be joining us. Oh, yeah, the former Utah Jazz, current Utah Jazz broadcaster, the TV analyst. Love having Big T on the program. And, of course... Championship, 1983, Jimmy V, NC State. Always good reminiscent about that. But we're going to talk NBA playoffs with Big T as we got another game tonight. Will it be a closeout scenario for the Golden State Warriors against the Dallas Mavericks or the Mavericks? They're going to mail it in? They're going to show up? Or the Warriors going to mail it in? We'll see what happens tonight. We'll talk about last night's game with the Celtics in Miami. The old bounce back theory happened again. We'll dive into that today. Scott Savloff is going to join us again. Scott joined us last week. A great producer for professional golf uh, events, made for TV golf events, including the Ryder Cup and the PGA Championship. And uh, Scott talked about uh, last weekend's PGA Championship, and uh, we will kind of relive that with him. And uh, an update on Tiger Woods uh, as well, too. His disastrous performance last weekend. So we'll talk a little golf, and plus a whole lot more coming your way on the program here today. Aces, oh yeah. Best record in the league continues on. Seven up, one down, five in a row. How about that? And now five and oh at home as well, too. So a great performance last night. Appreciate all those that came out last night and saw the game or uh, listened to us as we broadcast the game last night. Yes, the voice may be a little bit hoarse for calling 18 three-pointers made in that game, which tied a WNBA record. Aces set the franchise record of 16 last week in Atlanta and uh, actually tied that. And then they broke it last night with with 18. So very impressive performance. Aces shooting the ball exceptionally well. So good stuff uh, with that. All right. It is a Tuesday. We got a lot to vent about. So why not? Without further ado. It's Terrible Tuesday. That's terrible. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. That's a terrible idea. I want to know what the hell he's smoking. Something stinks in here. That's terrible. <laughs> it's Terrible Tuesday. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. So the NFL owners are discussing the future of the Pro Bowl. Oh, yes. One of our favorite topics, right? The Pro Bowl. Well, yes, the Pro Bowl needs to go. And we've talked about that quite a bit, right? Here's the weird thing about this. You know, with so many things in sports, specifically the NFL, you have to have approval. You know, players' approval, uh, owners' approval. We have to have some common ground. We have to put it in the CBA. Well, no one's really putting that 
portion of it into the CBA as the NFL owners are discussing this and no vote is actually needed to approve a change on what to do with the Pro Bowl. Now, a lot of elements to this, all right? So, first of all, the NFL can make their own decision on what they want to do. But they do have some people breathing down their neck, among, uh, mostly amongst the television networks, who want a made-for-TV event because the television networks are paying the NFL and the owners a boatload of money. And again, the Pro Bowl is part of the season. It's encompassed part of their programming here. So obviously they want to try to salvage this because no one is happy with the product that has been placed on the field. Now, the NFL is considering this move due to a lack of player interest and a lack of competition on the field. And, of course, they're always always going to use this, the injury concern. Yes. So the NFL is exploring this with the players. They're asking the players, what can we do, along with our television partners, what can we do to make this a better experience? And they're going to come to a decision coming up this summer. Now, we know that every year this thing gets worse and worse. They're looking at alternatives. And here's what I love about what they said in the press release. We're looking for alternatives and eliminating the traditional tackle football game. What tackling? Did we see what happened last year? There was no tackling. It has got progressively worse every year. A couple years ago, we're saying, okay, they're not really tackling. Last year, they abandoned all tackling. And they didn't hide from it. They go, two-hand touch. Why not just go ahead and do flag football if you're going to do this nonsense? Or how about this? Better yet. Abolish the whole thing. Forget it. You don't need it. And let me say this. This travesty was right at the forefront here in Las Vegas last year. It was at Allegiant Stadium. And I know some people, personally, that went to this game. Personally, that paid for tickets. And they're probably not going to be happy with me saying this. But they know, and I've said it to their their face. So I'm just going to say it to everybody. And I'm sorry if you take offense to this. But anyone who paid for a ticket to that, and I'm not even going to call it a game because it's not a game. Remember we talked to people going back last February that went to the game, and they go, well, I really didn't have an idea that it was going to be this bad. I really didn't think that it was going to be like this. But they were so embarrassed that they were there, and they they were afraid to admit that, yeah, uh, I got you know bamboozled here. Yeah. It's exactly anyone who paid for a ticket in that game. I'm sorry, you got suckered. Plain and simple, you know. And don't try to say that it was fun. We got to go see the stadium. You know, if you want to go see the stadium, go take a tour. And you'd spend a heck of a lot less money taking a tour of Allegiant Stadium. Go at your own time, your own allegiance. Won't be that crowded. You get a private tour. Get to go on the field. Get to go back to the locker room. Get to go see where the Raiders get dressed. You'll get to see where the Raiderettes get dressed and hang out, which I know Numbchuck would be very happy with that. And of course, yes. But here we go again. If you want to go to the stadium, go get a private tour. Or how about this? If you want to go see an actual football game, and I know a lot of people crack on UNLV, but go to a UNLV football game for a lot less the price of a Raider game. Now, I advise everyone to try to go to a Raider game. Go to the Raider game. You're seeing real football. You're seeing great electricity in that building. It's a great experience. There's no doubt about it. But don't go to a Pro Bowl thinking, I'm going to go see Patrick Mahomes. No, you're not. You know, 
I, I'm going to get go see you know my favorite players. Some of them are saying I don't want to play, and the ones that are playing, I mean it's literally seven on seven, you know, which is a former practice for these NFL players. It was a joke. It was a travesty last year. It was I don't know anybody that enjoyed themselves that went to that thing last year. And so the NFL needs to just quit hiding this and pretending that it's a game. Quit uh, charging these ridiculous amounts of money for tickets to this game and treat the public better. Quit insulting the intelligence. If you're not going to have a real tackle football game, then don't play the game plain and simple. That's all you got to do. And to say that, you know, well, we're afraid of injuries, all this other, okay, fine. Then just, I guess, go down the list. Because there are some guys that will go ahead and play a real football game. I mean, do the math. The NFL has 30 teams, right? All right, 30, 32 teams. Take your pick, right? Times a roster times 53. All right, of all those thousands of players, there are people that want to go to a Pro Bowl and actually play and show their skills. It's not everybody. It's just the superstars. It's just the pre-bananas that don't want to play in this game. So, yeah, you could just go right down the list. Kind of like they do with the NBA All-Star game. Eh, I don't want to play. You know, I'm uh, you know, I'm going on vacation. Okay, you're gone. Next up. And just go down the list if that's what you want to do. And, and just say, we're playing a football game. You want to sign up for that? Play it. Or else, don't. But what we've seen, which led to this thing being uh, banished by people in Hawaii, and then they try Orlando, Florida, and now they try Las Vegas. Yeah, it, it would be great if they played some real football. And I'm not saying it needs to be a playoff game. No, it doesn't even need to be a regular season game. It could be preseason-esque if you want. But that was always the intention. And the thing was, they always played a football game in the past. Up until about the past 15, 20 years, they played a football game. Do you want to talk, Numchuck? I don't even know. You, I don't even know if you know what buttons are on this thing. I do know what buttons okay, go are on this. So the only thing that's worth watching yes. is the skills competitions. Okay. That's the only thing that well, I think that's what they need to do. For now. For now. For now, because, you know, but you're going to get bored with that nonsense as well, too. Because a lot of that skill stuff is kind of goofy. But when you compare it to what we've had, you're right. That's it. So now do you want to, you can't call it a Pro Bowl, can you? No. If you're gonna, you're, you can do it. So, so what are you going to, you have a skills competition that's going to last you, what, you're going to do four or five events that's going to last an hour and a half, I guess? Is that do what it, you're going to do? Do it the week of the pro uh, of the Super Bowl. Do it like Super Bowl Saturday. Mm-hmm. And then have that just be. So not have it the week before or the week after. Not have it the week yeah. after. Yeah. And I guarantee you everybody will go because the teams will already be in. Here's what you do. You do it in the Super Bowl city. So that's what you're talking about. So you're talking about doing it no different than a flag football sand game. That's what you're talking about because that's what they do the day before the Super Bowl, right? Or the lingerie, you know, thing and that that sort of thing. Hey now, yeah, hey now. Of course hey. you like that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, But the point of it being a Pro Bowl, when you got to sit here every year and say we've got to make some major changes, no, nah, it's it, either play a real football. It's, it's simple: play a real football game or abolish it altogether. All right, Dallas Mavericks find $175,000 for what, you ask? Bench decorum. We've had some fun talking about this the last couple days. All right, they were fined $25,000 after game two of their series against Phoenix for players standing the entire game. Yeah, they didn't bode so well, especially for those fans uh, in the visiting city, or actually in the home city when the Mavericks were the visiting team. 
that uh, they got obstructed view seats after paying for you know five hundred to a thousand dollars for a playoff ticket. If you're sitting in you know the first five rows and and you got these jabronis standing up in front of you, yeah, that was uh, after game number two. Then after game seven in that Phoenix series, they were fined another fifty grand because they didn't learn their lesson. Would Mark Cuban say, "Yeah, so what? We don't care. It's it's going to charity. That's not the point." You're not, you're not being fine giving a charity. If you want to give a charity, just give to charity. What you're doing is you're making the situation horrible for fans, and you're setting a bad precedence. And on the television screen, that's all you're seeing is these goofballs jumping up and down, standing up, coming on the court, and the referees continually saying, back up, back up, stay off the floor. No, it's a joke. It is a total, I don't know if, what's more of a joke, that or the fans that are paying the $5,000 to sit on the floor to be closer to the coach and the scorer's table than the players actually are. I don't know what's worse here. So, yeah. Then, after it happened again in the Warriors series, after game two, they were fined another hundred k. So $175,000. Theo Pinson, bench player for the Dallas Mavericks, all right? I think these guys played about 80 games his entire career, right? He's wearing a white shirt. He's the only guy that's not having a Dallas Maverick warm-up on or, you know, a different colored shirt. No, he wants to wear white because he knows the Golden State Warriors are wearing white. And this was an incident, and this is why we're all talking about it, why everyone's talking about it, because Steph Curry tried to throw a pass in Game 2 in San Francisco, and Clay, he thought it was Clay Thompson standing over there, but instead it's Theo Pinson in a white T-shirt, and Clay's going, I, I was throwing to that guy, what's that guy wearing white for, right? So this is as crazy as it sounds that we're having actually to address this. The NBA officials now are addressing this. Now, prior to Game 3 in Dallas, referee Mark Davis, I said referee Mark Davis, not our Mark Davis, right? Referee Mark Davis went up to Theo Pinson, who was on the court, now he's too injured to play, but he's on the court and he wants to shoot some jumpers in street clothes, wearing, guess what? A white shirt once again. Here's the audio from Mark Davis talking to Theo Pinson before game three. Hey, do me a favor. Is this a crazy? Can you change your color shirt? Thank you. Will you? I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. All right. Because it's the same color as them and you're going to be in the way. If you could do that for me. Yeah. I'd even buy it for you. It don't match. This don't match anyway. I got you. You give to me, send me the bill. He said, you buy it for me, I'll do it. Yeah, like you need somebody to buy you a shirt, you NBA player, Theo Pinson. An average at best NBA player, Theo Pinson. So the game happens. What happens? Theo Pinson, what's he wearing? White shirt. Didn't change. Could have changed on his home floor. He's got a locker there. Could put anything on. Mavericks would have given him something. But Mark Davis did not have to handle it like this. Mark Davis just could have said, you know, I'm, I'm teeing you up. I'm giving you guys a bench tee. Playing so. But he wanted to be cool. Because Mark Davis, for the most part, is a player's referee. Anybody that knows him will tell you that. This guy's been around the league a long time. He's from Chicago. This guy used to ref uh, the, the inner city games in Chicago. This guy's a cool dude. And he said, you know what? We got, we're getting all this gruff here can you do me a favor man to man brother to brother come on man just go change your shirt can you do that for me please and then the guy says well why and he explained to him mark davis didn't have to take that approach he's a nice guy he did it 
And then what's Pinson do? Throws in his face. Threw it in everyone's face. Not only that's an NBA official, but the league in itself. Do you think that the officials are, I'm not going to say they're not going to go out of their way for Theo Pinson, but, you know, something happens with Theo Pinson. Refs aren't going to have his side. I mean, this is ridiculous. It's, it's saying that Theo Pinson thinks he's bigger than the game of basketball. Plain and simple. It's ridiculous and it's juvenile. Oh, and by the way, would you get your reward for that? You got your team blasted again. And they're on the verge of elimination. Didn't matter what color shirt you're wearing. And don't think that the Warriors don't think about this. Saying, yeah, yeah, we're not going to lay down. This Dallas team, they're getting on our nerves. Who do you think they are, these punks? They're well aware of this situation. A lot of people thinking, well, you know, Warriors going to mail it in tonight. No, you know, they shouldn't. We've seen him do it before. They shouldn't. So you got that. So then it gets even more crazy. During that game, right before halftime, Steph Curry is challenging a shot with a few seconds left in the second quarter and challenges a three-pointer, dismissed. Curry's running back down the floor for the final few seconds, and he trips. Four-second difference, game clock, shot clock, Bullock three. Bertans had it knocked away, and the buzzer sounds, and Steph Curry was on the sideline here, and he tripped over a fan on the sideline. It was a fan or the beverage person? a fan, and now they got security people over there, but he... As he can test here, but look at how he's on his way down. Oh, it was the... I think it was the... The person selling be- uh, beer yes. or whatever. It was a home. waiter. It was yes. a waiter on a knee. Yes, it was. Call it whatever you want. The food server, the waiter. That's Kevin Harlan, Reggie's, uh, Reggie Miller and TNT describing the action. Yeah, I saw this. I couldn't believe it. And Steph's going, what? Again, could have been injured here. Could have been injured. I mean, it's ridiculous. Here we go again. Fans on the court. Vendor. This guy is bending over. He's got his foot on the court. And he's serving beverages right before halftime. Let the guys leave at halftime. And this isn't the first time that we've seen this, right? This is not the first time we have seen we have seen bigger guys uh, that, that have that have fallen. We have seen bigger guys that have landed in hospitals. We've seen Shaquille O'Neal. We saw him go flat and end up in the hospital because of this. Been out of the game for five minutes. He should put him back in. It's crazy. He's upset. I don't know. God, I'm so, what you doing? Oh, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? I'm so sorry. Hey, give us some room here. Stand back. Right. Take it easy. What is it? I need to hold the knee. Oh, ah, okay, oh. easy, easy. It's not an assassination attempt, for Christ's really? sake. Can you straighten it, Shaq? No. Okay. Can you put any weight on it? Watch the leg. No, I stuck my legs. Watch I'm the so leg. sorry. Let's get him up. Oh I'll hold the leg. Get him up. Oh get him up. I'm so sorry. Easy. Oh, it was a, it was Can you put any weight on it? No. No? Easy. It was an Larry David getting booed in an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm because he was stretching his legs out, had the five grand seats right there at the Staples Center back in the day, and he tripped Shaq. There it is. And, uh, and how'd this thing end, if we remember? I mean, so Larry had to go ahead and apologize to Shaq and Shaq says, well, accept your apology, uh, you know, so 
bring me some episodes of Seinfeld. So he wheeled in a cart all the episodes of Seinfeld, and Shaq was playing categories with that trainer, who, by the way, cheated at categories. Let's remember that, that cheater, that phony trainer for the Lakers, all right? And what Shaq say? Okay, all is forgiven if you give me one thing. If you pull out my favorite episode. And what was Shaq's favorite episode of Seinfeld back in the day? It was the contest. He says, you pull out the contest right now. Larry says, contest? There you go. There it is. Uh, I thought you were going to pull up the actual contest. That scene in, in the in the hospital right there, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Shaquille O'Neal playing categories with Larry David. Okay. Okay. There you go. That's Seinfeld. I'm back to Curb Your Enthusiasm now. Thank you very much. And I know that we have that song as well, too. But anyway, so yeah, it's happened before. Keep keep your feet off the plane surface. Plain simple. All right. Move on. I could do this all day. <laughs> all right. Speaking of Shaq, you know, I need some more Shaq audio. Can I please get some more Shaq audio? Can I please get Shaq at Barkley? I mean, we talked about it last week. We do need to save this and play this for a terrible Tuesday, right? Where Shaq and, Bar- and uh, Barkley are arguing about Jimmy Butler. Where, where Barkley's saying, it doesn't matter. No, no, he, Marcus Smart's going to guard guard Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler's not, not going to get no 41. And Shaq's saying nonsense, of course. Let's go at it. Yeah, Ernie, yeah. his point is, like, yeah. you got the best – Arguably the best, probably the best defensive player in the league. Jimmy Butler probably don't get 40 if Marcus is there. First of all, Jimmy can get 40 if he puts his mind. Oh, he can, but I'm saying. No, no, with, with or without Marcus it, it, Smart, Jimmy it, Butler can get 40. But it's still 40. harder to get it on no, the defensive not. play. Yes, no. it is. Yes, it is. Well, he's, he at that level. No, no. he's at that level now where at, at this point in the game, like D-Wade said, he's saying ain't nobody stopping uh, him. They're focusing on defense. No, no, no. He disagree. Hey, but we all like You don't think it's harder to score on the defensive player of the year? You don't think it's harder to score on Dennis You said last week, hold on. You said last week, don't be bragging that you're a great player if somebody can shut you Marcus Smart ain't shutting Jimmy Butler up. Hey, if Jimmy Butler want to get 40, he's going to hey, get 40. Just, 28, not 40. No, he's no. going to get 40. If he want to get 40, he can get 40. Well, he's listen, that type of player uh, now. Well, he's, uh, we all like Jimmy Butler. But playing don't be contradicting yourself. No, no, you I'm just not contradicting yourself. You, uh, you just said don't you, call you, yourself a great no, player. No, I'm not, no, this is a totally down. different animal. I'm talking, it's harder to score on the defensive player of the year, fool. No, it's not. Yes, it is. You better look at my finals against the Kimbe Matumbo. No, it ain't. It is not. Jimmy Butler is a great player. If you want to get 40, he can get 40. I don't want to hear that hey, defensive play hey, to you. Hey, I don't even want to hear that. Stop it out hey. of Listen, Petty White, we ain't talking about, about you. This is We're talking about Jimmy Butler. This is Jimmy Butler play, playing against the defensive player of the year is that a lot harder nothing. to play. Yes, this it is facts. When yes, you're a great does. player, like you no, said, no, you, no, you no. get greater. You never got greater at this point in your career. I did. I know what I'm talking about. No, you were riding on Dwayne and Kobe's coattails. I got the finals MVP. No, no, yeah, yeah, that's right. Let me point this out too. You never hey, got great. It was easy to ride on all the people's coattails. Call, hey, you call the Kimbe Matumbo. Hey, that's what I did. Well, well, I got his number four oh four. Yeah, oh, he's still in Atlanta. You guys both do me a favor. See the button. See the button that's on your microphone. Yes. Push, push the button that's on your microphone. Push that button. And you got yours pushed. Good, because that turned it off. I mean, what I want to say is... Mine ain't turned off. Look, <laughs> mine ain't turned off either. Miami won. 
And there it is. Ernie Johnson trying to play referee there. Uh, great scene outside of the Chase Center in San Francisco. And apparently there is a, some other audio, obviously, that we, we don't have. But uh, fans, I guess, were yelling at Charles Barkley after this uh, fracas, this ordeal while they were going to break. And uh, they, were, they were giving Barkley a bad time. And Barkley yelled back at him. He goes, you better shut up or I'm going to F your mama up. Right? No, he said he was going to go to their house go and f their mama. Yeah, there. I'm going to go to the house. <laughs> oh, there you go. Doesn't get doesn't get any better than that, does it? Or any worse than that? It's a terrible Tuesday. We got more terrible Tuesday takes next hour, including some classic audio from John Daly. That's right, the golfer John Daly. We got that. Some baseball that we'll talk about as well too. But coming up next. Thurl Bailey is going to join us as we talk NBA playoffs. Hi, this is Lonnie Jordan from The Band War, and you are listening to T.C. Martin. And now I forgot what he told me to tell you. (laughs) He's lying to you all. He's lying. NBA playoffs, they continue tonight. We have got... Game number four, closeout situation with the Warriors and the Mavericks. Let's uh, break it down with our good friend. Oh, yes, the big T, as we like to call him, or he calls himself, or everybody calls him, right? 12 NBA seasons with the Utah Jazz. And uh, also, don't forget, that 1983 NC State team with Jimmy V. And uh, has been doing a fantastic job with the Utah Jazz. Television as their analyst, Thurl Bailey. What's up, big T? Good. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. So I know that uh, you know your season technically is is been over for some time. So it's 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 oh, off thanks, season. Man. But I, <laughs> I didn't mean like that. But, <laughs> but but I know you probably still been watching some playoffs, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hey, here's a shout That's out. Some great matchups as well. Here's a shout out for you, Thurl. So you know I do the uh, the play by play for the Aces game. I think you know, we have talked about it before. And uh, yep. so your girl Natalie Williams, who is the general manager here now in yep. is the Aces. So we were talking about you. So she said, "Shout out to Thurl. Tell him I said hello." And uh, there you go. I mean, you know, we know Natalie's a Salt Lake girl, and uh, you guys know each other. She is. As a matter of fact, I just uh, texted her the other day. Congratulations on a new position there, but. She's a great soul, man, and she, obviously we know her uh, her history as, as an athlete, but she'll do a great job there. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, she joined me for halftime uh, last night, and uh, yeah, she's uh, she's settling into this position here as the GM with the Aces, and uh, and, and great stuff. So there you go. All right, my friend, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about this uh, Warriors uh, Mavericks series, and you know you got a chance to see the Mavericks uh, up close and personal there uh, thorough when the Jazz were playing them. Uh, we know that Utah lost to Dallas in the first round. Dallas goes ahead and beats Phoenix in the second round. And uh, they were kind of like the flavor of the month. I mean, the way they destroyed the Suns in Game 6 and Game 7 there in Phoenix. But now they're having problems with the Warriors on the verge of, of being swept here. Tell us why you think that they are looking totally unlike the same team that, that you guys saw as well as the, the team that beat Phoenix. Well, I think it's, uh, first of all, the speed of, at which the, the Warriors play, um, not just offensively. I mean, they like to get up and down. We've seen that historically um, in, through their championships they've won. But defensively, a lot of pressure. Uh, on on Luca uh, and also Jalen Brunson as well. 
um, because Dallas Dallas really doesn't play that fast. When Luka Doncic goes to the bench, then the the pace goes up a little bit with you know with Dinwiddie uh, and Brunson and those guys in the game. But I think Golden State has really found a way defensively to blow up a lot of plays uh, that that Luka's involved in to make him more of a passer. Now Luka can still get the shot he wants, but it takes time. It takes time for him to kind of feel it out. And by that time, he's either passing the ball or the shot clock's running down. Offensively, I just think the Warriors are unmatched and they're starting to to find the groove right when they needed to. Klay uh, Thompson wasn't you know, great when he came back. He needed some time to kind of get back to being himself. He's not quite there yet, but I think with each game, you can see that uh, they're looking like that championship-level Warriors team. Are you surprised that this uh, this series is 3-0 right now in favor of Golden State? I'm really not. I'm really not. I, I, and I think part of Dallas's problem, too, is the toll that the last two series have taken on them. And I think that's something. When you talk about a guy like Luka um, and, and his body type and the way he plays and what they've had to expend in beating the Jazz and also Phoenix, uh, you know, there comes a time when you're not used to that kind of pace and that kind of toil. Uh, you, it's it's tough to hang with a team that, that, that does it every night, and it's it's ingrained in them. You've seen this Golden State team a lot over the years, uh, you know, covering the Jazz. What do you notice when you look at this version of this Warriors team, and especially the way they're playing right now? Well, I think Coach Quinn Snyder said it best a couple of years ago when he was describing – the Warriors uh, team and how they play. And he said that they, they, they look like a, a living organism out there, right? Uh, that everything's connected. Each piece knows the other piece. Uh, when one moves, the other moves a certain way. And they're so connected. Uh, and they just look like this, this, uh, this moving, this mechanism that just oils itself. And, and, um, you know, Steve Kerr doesn't have to do a lot of standing up and yelling and coaching. You know, he talks in the timeouts, but this team knows what they have to do. And, they, and they've got some interesting pieces because as much as we talk about Steph Curry and, and, and Clay Thompson, I think some of the biggest assets they have are Kevon Looney, uh, you know, Jordan Poole. I mean, those, those guys who, you know, have – are, are kind of the up and coming, the next phase of what this Warriors team is is trying to do to complement, um, you know, their, their their star players. And of course, you got Draymond Green, the dog of the team, who's going to bring that every night. Even if he doesn't score a lot of points, he affects the game in different ways. When you look at the Warriors, you, you just mentioned you know a lot of these bench guys who are contributing, and the Warriors have always had those guys. They were kind of like unsung guys. Patrick McCaw, who went here to UNLV, he ends up with the Warriors. You know, during you know wins a couple championship rings with them. Actually, went, wins three. Uh, goes to Toronto after that, and lightly used guy. And but he came in there and 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 spelled some of these guys and delivered some some big minutes and some big moments back in the day. And and there's been other guys just like that. And it's really you know a strange, I guess, to a certain degree for uh, to see a team to be able to plug in these guys and just you know complement these starters so well. And they're different guys. And we've seen the Warriors shuttle guys in and out. JaVel McGee comes to mind, a guy that really made his name with the Warriors. And then he 
he got himself a big contract and has bounced around a little bit with the Lakers and other teams of that nature. And you're saying, man, I'd like to see these guys stay together. But it, just, it hasn't mattered over the last couple seasons that the Warriors continue to find these guys that fit in. Talk a little bit about that element with is it Steve Kerr knowing how to, how to deal with these guys and the relationships, or is it more the veterans, you know, getting together with these guys and, and saying, Hey, this is what your role is going to be. It just seems to always work here, no matter, you know, who the pieces are. Well, those are all great points you made. And I think within that, uh, you've answered some of that. It, it does, it does start with the organization. I mean, similar to what the jazz do, they find guys who can fit into a system. You know, Quinn Snyder has his own system and, and you find guys who can, you know, like a Jordan Clarkson, who can come in and, and embrace a role off the bench and give him enough freedom to do what he does. Um, and I think that's that's similar to what, almost identical to what Golden State does. I mean, you take a guy like Andrew Wiggins, right, who was a top draft pick uh, in Minnesota. Expectations were high when, when, when you have that kind of uh, success and, and you get drafted that high. And, you know, if you ask the Timberwolves, did he really live up to, you know, their expectations or, or, or the fans even? But now he goes to a team that says, okay, here's our system. Now, we don't expect you to be that kind of player they wanted you to be in Minnesota. We just want you to fit in in this role. And he's just done it beautifully. Uh, you know, he's, he's a guy who embraced it. He knew he wasn't going to be the guy or wasn't going to be forced to be the guy, but on certain nights, he still has to bring it. Uh, you know, some of the guys you mentioned, Looney. You know, Looney was a guard in his younger days. Right. And so if for him to be able to come in and, and do the damage he's doing and embrace his role and compliment those guys, that's what championship teams are made of. And so, uh, you know, when you've got that core crew at the helm, uh, and and they know that night in, night out, their role is to go in and, and make an impact in however many minutes they get. Some games they may not play, but you best better be ready when that number's called, and they, they've done that. You know, Wiggins, that story is phenomenal, and seeing how he has adapted has been great. And, and how difficult is that, Thurl, for a player who is kind of deemed as the future or your franchise player when you draft him with these high expectations, and then he really doesn't live up to that? How, how tough is that for a player to now you know, kind of be viewed as either a bench player or a guy who's going to be a role player uh, you know, for a guy specifically like Andrew Wiggins? Well, I think it's, it's really – on that, it's on that player. It's whatever his mindset is in accepting that. Um, you know, because I would believe that Andrew Wiggins looked at that situation and said, I'm that much closer to getting a ring. I mean, these guys know how it's done. They know all I have to do is go in and listen and find my place and do what I do. Um, and there's not a lot of pressure on me to have to, you know, to carry the load of the staff may have to carry. So, you know, I think if you can shut that noise off, the expectation noise of what everybody else wants you to be, um, if you're Andrew Wiggins, you know you're in a good place. You're an all-star player. And, you know, you're that much closer to, to everybody's dream who plays in the league is to get that ring. 
Thurl Bailey joins us, uh, the former great player in the NBA and championship at NC State, and of course does a fine job on the TV side as the analyst for the Utah Jazz Television Network. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Donich, and like I said, you got a chance to see them in that opening round against uh, uh, you know Utah took on Dallas. You know he, he gets viewed or gets the label of you know being like kind of a one man show. Does he have enough quality players? Uh, around him, Thurl, or where is Dallas? Are they are still kind of a work in progress? Well, first of all, he has enough qualities to be. I I, I really think the, the kids. I you know you've heard things thrown around describing him, and basketball savants one. I mean, he's equipped with so much, and he's using what he needs to use based on the the players surrounding him. You know. And that's my granddaughter. Sorry about that. No worries. She agrees with me. I know she does. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. She, she, watches, she watches the games. Yeah, with grandpa. That's right. <laughs> so you know, Luca is—he's amazing. And I think, you know, if the if the MVP had been chosen a little bit later, it should have been between he and Steph because he—you know—he's playing some great basketball. But um, yeah, I think when you bring in a Spencer Dinwiddie, you've gotten better, right? Um, when you bring in, you know, when you, when Jalen Brunson has been able to show that he can complement a Luka Doncic, um, and you know, Luka is definitely the leader, and he's got to be the distributor. Um, is he a perfect player? No, but you know, he's a player that that he's got that acumen to know where he has to be and, and who he has to get the ball to at the right time. He's very unselfish, um, but selfish enough to know that he's got to perform every night. So, um, you know, he's, he's a future Hall of Famer, no doubt. What happens tonight here in game number four? Um, I, I, I think the Warriors close it out. I think the Mavericks put up a good fight. But I think you've got that machine that you've got to battle again. Um, and... You know, your battle's going to be commendable. But you have a team that, that knows how it feels, especially the, the core, core guys, the leaders, and the coach. You know how it feels to be there. Uh, that trickles down to other guys. You know, you, you can place yourself in that locker room and, and, and hear what the halftime speech is going to be, not just from Coach Kerr, but from Steph, you know, from Clay Thompson. You know, that's a story within itself. That guy missing a couple of years and now coming back and having an opportunity to, to win another one at this stage. So I think with all that, um, they close it out. Golden State closes it out tonight. Have you ever been in that position on either side of up 3-0 in a series or down 3-0? Uh, yeah, years ago against, I believe, uh, the, the Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, I have to go look at the day, but yeah, I believe we we took a, uh, we were up three zero, if I remember right, and something happened with Carl and and one of one of the players for the Warriors, and it just changed the whole landscape of things. Um, yeah, and it could have been two one. No, it, it, I think it was a two-one lead, and then they came back and and sealed the deal. But um, yeah, I remember it happening, and happened here, ended here. We had the advantage. I think it ended here on our home court. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but it, it rarely happens. Um, I don't think it's ever happened. Team being up 3-0 and, and the other team coming back. Right, right. But uh, I guess I'm just asking from a mindset perspective. If you're up 3-0, do you just do you kind of naturally kind of eh, you know uh, maybe a little bit lackadaisical and maybe not having that killer instinct or down 3-0? Is it like man, even if we win this game, we've got question. we've got to go we got to go back and we got to play you know uh, you know the you know the majority of the series still on the road. Well, it depends on you know how full your cup is, what your mindset right, is. Right. Um, it's it's like it, at some point in history, it's going to happen, right? So you know somebody's going to do it. I'm telling you, at some point, may not be for a while, maybe this series. So there's a subconscious part of this too. It's like you know nobody's ever done it, so we don't really have a chance. So I'm gonna pack my bags. I'm gonna put them by the door, and we're gonna go out and play hard. See if we can extend this thing, but the odds are very much against us. Um, and so I, I believe that Dallas is going to fight. It's going to I think it's going to be a closer game than people think. Uh, you'll know in the first quarter. Right. Boston and Miami, uh, this thing's going back and forth and this series tied two games apiece. We've had four games and, and really we've had four blowouts and the final score may not actually indicate four blowouts, but they really were. I mean, you know, last night we see, um, you know, the, the Celtics, you know, bounce back uh, and, and get the victory here. Uh, Miami's kind of a strange team. They're 7-1 at home, but then again, they're 3-4, and four, you know, on the road here. Uh, how do you see the rest of the series playing out, Thurl? A healthier team's going to win. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think some of those blowouts have been based on the Marcus Smart being out or Jimmy Butler being out. Um, you know, you got key players out like that, and, you know, in a very important series. Uh, you know, it, it means it means something, and you look back on it and wish you. It's something you can't control, but um, I'm picking Boston for this series, um, and no other reason than just I think they've shown that time after time, even when they're down, they can come back, and and even with guys. You know, not multiple guys, but even with guys hurt, they've got enough on that team, um, enough feistiness, enough scoring, uh, enough alpha dog that uh, I think I think they'll they'll pull it through. And it seems like so much of, of this is based on the three point shot as well, too. And we've talked yep. before about just uh, the abundance when we're seeing teams combining for 70 and even 83 pointers. Last night really wasn't so much that. It was just that Boston came out and, you know, played great defense. Miami was banged up, like said, whatever. But for the most part, it really does see that, that here's the scenario. Well, if. if uh, you know, we put up uh, tons of threes. Uh, if we make them, we're going to win. We're going to put up tons of threes. If we don't make them, we're going to lose. And that's really kind of been the narrative for, you know, a lot of these series here in the postseason. Well, it certainly was a narrative for the Jazz. Yep. There you go. Uh, you know, although, you know, you talk about having the number one offense in the regular season and then getting to the playoffs, knowing that, you know, in the regular season, you're averaging plus 30, sometimes 43, three-point attempts a game. And that's what Quinn really is uh, a stickler about. It's about the attempts. Um, because if we can get a lot of attempts up, you get those up because of good defense. 
right? And you're pushing the ball, you're getting early threes for Bogdanovich, for Jordan Clarkson, but Dallas just kind of blew that up. They were averaging more threes than the Jazz, every, obviously every single game. But the Jazz could not get, I mean, the points in the paint were one thing. Um, Rudy wasn't touching it as much because of Jazz not able to to move the ball in the blender, as we call it. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, that's, that's the game today, though, right? I mean, the three is, you, 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 you can see a guy going to the basket with a free lane to hit it, to dunk it or get a two, and he'll kick it out for three instead. <laughs> They're passing up I mean, three and four you. footers. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. They're basically yep. passing up layups. And, and we're yep. seeing, oh, no, no, I'd, I'd rather see a 23-footer here. That's right. And that shot used to be a high-risk, high-reward shot. Now it's, you know, it's similar to a layup, right? I mean, a lot of guys can hit it, but... You know, when you when you have to hit, especially at this time of the year, uh, you better be able to knock those down at a pretty good clip. And the difference uh, between now and when you played Thurl is like guys of of your size are out there hanging out at the three point line waiting for that pass. You know what I mean? I mean yeah. that's that's it. I mean, <laughs> right. can, can you remember how many threes that you took or, or threes that you made? And I bet they're most of them were against the shot clock, right? They were. Yeah, I mean, I, I had this question. Somebody looked it up, and I think I may have taken a total of, I don't know, 14 or 15 or something like that. Um, but, yeah, that was, you know, if I if Coach needed me to shoot him, if it was a thing, then I, I would have been able to do that. I was a small forward, um, but only at that time there was a few small forwards like Larry Bird. Um, even guys like Mark Aguirre weren't, weren't shooting threes. It was more the two guards, the Daryl Griffiths of our team, you know, guys like Carl Malone wasn't shooting them as well. So, and Stockton didn't take a ton of them. So it was just a sign of the times and, and you went with your strengths, but that seems to be the strength of most teams now. So off the top of your head, Thurl, if I asked you, tell me how many threes you made and, and how many attempts, just give me a ballpark. What do you think it was? Off the top um, of your head. Obviously, Obviously, due to the internet, you probably have it in front I of do, you. I do, I do. I want to see how well you um, know yourself. I, <laughs> listen, I, in that realm, no. I, I know it wasn't a lot. I'd say I may have taken, um, I'm going to say 15 and made four. I don't know. Hey, guess what? You got one of those numbers exactly right. That's it. You you got one of them right, Thurl. Which one was it? I got four right, didn't I? You got that right. There it is. Bring it up. Thurl Bailey got four. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately, if we do the math, uh, I don't know what the percentage would be. You shot 35. Well, you know, you think of a 12-year career. That's nothing. 35. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> 35 times with the shot clock running down. Right, right. Right, so there it is. Three, two, and oh, I still got I got I got hoisted hey, up. There it is. Let's yeah. focus on the four, will you? Yeah, absolutely. I said, hey, throw barely hit four three pointers. We're not going to tell you in how many games. It will let you think that it was maybe one game. Maybe it was a playoff game. Maybe it was a buzzer beater. What is? What is leaving it at that? How's that? <laughs> okay, I like the sound of that. Of course you do. He's Thurl Bailey. He joins us. <laughs> hey, one more thing I want to talk to you about before I let you go real quick is the schedule here. We're seeing the games played every other day, which is great 
for viewers. Uh, and, and I know that's why the, the NBA is doing that. But should the schedule, you know, to prevent fatigue, you know, give these guys an extra off day, especially traveling, because we're, we're hearing the injuries and everything now, would it make for a better game? Oh, How, what, what is the fatigue factor there, man? Come for, on, man. You know? Fatigue factor. What is that? <laughs> we what? hear people say it all the time, Thurl. What is, what is, I don't, you know, and, and again, I'm, I'm from a different era. Yeah. We had, we had an 82 game season. And for the most part of that, for the earlier part of that, we flew commercial. Um, and probably made one tenth of the money these guys are being paid to go out and do what they do. Uh, if they're blaming injuries on the length of the season, I, I'm not sure I, I I totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. Because, one, you're resting guys anyway. Right. What do they call it? What's, what's the formula? Load for management. Okay. Load so, management. How's that? <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't. I don't agree with it unless there's some scientific evidence that 82 games carries a lot of stress on players. And I, mean, I, I just, and you're only talking about not a lot of players. You're not talking about like the whole team, right? I mean, you're talking about marquee players that people want to come out and see that are taking the night off because they're waiting for the playoffs to get here and they want to be ready for them. I, you know, and I and I know that Adam Silver is trying to do his best, and he's talking about some kind of a tournament early in the season. Um, it's just I, I don't know. I don't know the answer for it, but you're you're, you're probably asking the wrong guy. Who, no, no, no. I'm asking the right again. I agree. I agree with you. And again, it just seems like you know people are saying, well, you know, these guys got the injuries. Maybe they should have an extra day off for travel this thing. And like you said, it never was that way, right? I mean, you play, you did no. play every other day. I mean, plain simple. You yeah, played, and we had back to backs. Yeah, My first year in the league was last year three back to back during the playoffs. No, not during the playoffs. That's what I'm saying. No, I'm so, uh, so I'm talking about. The, I'm just talking about the playoffs. So right now is that you know yeah. we're saying okay, and when you have a travel day, so maybe you're not getting that you know that that full rest, and, and some of the guys are saying, well, we need that extra. You know, travel day. So I'm, so, I'm specifically so pretty much talking playoffs. It's an advantage to the other team? Well, I don't think anyone's saying it's an, an advantage at all. I think what they're saying is, like, hey, give us more time. It's it's increasing the injuries, or it's a reason why these guys are getting injured because they don't have enough off days in between these playoff games. So here's one of the arguments that I heard, for example. They said, first round, it's okay. But, you know, second round, well, maybe you've earned that right to have, like, an extra day off and, you know, the toll of, of, of everything, you know? And then, because we have seen that once we get to the NBA Finals for television purposes, sometimes we'll have like a three-day gap sometimes. So I think that's, yeah. you know, and I'm not saying I agree with it. I mean, for viewers and everything and for fans, they're loving it because basically we got a game every night. So we got the Eastern Conference Final one night, then we got the Western Conference. Even though they're traveling, we're getting games every every day, and then in those series you're playing every other day. I guess the question is, does that play into these guys being fatigued? Well, you know, it, it could possibly but you know, there's there's also the argument that a lot of guys that they don't want too much time off. They don't want extra time. They just want to play. They're yeah. in the groove. They're ready to go. Um, you know, so maybe if if your series isn't going that well, you maybe have an argument. But um, but no, a guy like me, 
guy like Stockton or John, I mean, let's play. Yeah. Win or lose. You know, we're everything being equal. Hmm. We're ready to go. There you go. All right, man. Thorough, appreciate uh, the time as always. Uh, we'll let Grandpa get back to his uh, his uh, play day, <laughs> R&R, whatever it is. All uh, right. And I you were just in that. Vegas, too. You were just here, weren't you? Last couple days. Yeah, just, All right. just got back this morning. All right, man. All right. Well, next time, let's uh, let's get you in studio if you got some time. Next time you're in town, we'll... Uh, We'll have some fun with that and maybe get a meal too. How's that? Because you know we, we got some pretty, right. we, as you know we got some pretty good restaurants here, and uh, you know I'm a food guy, so I'll, 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 I'll take you're you food guy and you're buying. That's you're it. Food guy and you're buying. I'm in. You got that right. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you, now just because the money won't actually come out of my pocket, it'll be coming maybe from a comp slip for someone in the casino. I still get credit, that's right, okay. Thoreau? I still get credit. Yeah, because it's not coming out of my pocket. I, 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 <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right, brother. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. All right. Take care. Thurl Bailey joined us here. Talk a little NBA playoffs. Great guy. Great stuff. Great player back in the day. We come back. We'll talk a little PGA golf, baseball, and some more. Terrible Tuesday. Allen pass the block. Here come the aces on the run. De-energizer. Looks for Ty Young. Sprints to the hoop. Off the glass. And good. 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 Live. In the entertainment capital of the world. Oh, mercy. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Show. And here we go. Get ready for the fourth quarter of game number four. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. Hammy's going to let one fly. Chance of three. Chance of three. The energizer. What a three from half court. Are you kidding me? T.C. Martin. There are six seconds to go, and De-Energizer hit a wild, crazy, improbable three to give the Aces the lead. The doctor is now in. In, in, in. Hour number two, Aces victorious last night, improving to 7-1, five-game winning streak. 5-0 and at home for those of you that are scoring at home. Impressive last night. Las Vegas Aces defeat the L.A. Sparks. Blew them out. Crushed them. Up by 31 at one point in time last night. Yeah, uh, the double-digit scores, they continue again last night. Just a great performance. Crowd had a great time last night. D. Wade in the house last night. Dwayne Wade was here throwing t-shirts to the crowd. So uh, you never know who you're going to see at an Aces game. The celebrities come out, the athletes, always a good time. Come on out, see the Aces. They get ready to go on the road. Nationally televised game coming up uh, Saturday at Chicago and then back at the house Tuesday against the Connecticut Sun. That's going to be a special game for me because uh, one of my former players – Plays for the Connecticut Sun, so she's coming in. So it's going to be going to be a good time. Looking forward uh, to that, but uh, we'll uh, enjoy that. One hundred four seventy six last night. Uh, Asia Wilson twenty four points, only played twenty three minutes last night as well. Uh, Kelsey Plum seventeen, Chelsea Gray fourteen, Jackie Young got her average at nineteen points. So the Aces only had four double digit scores, but oh, they scored one hundred four points, blowing out. The L.A. Sparks by 28 points. Liz Cambage, her return to the house last night was typical Liz. Liz scored the first bucket, thought she got fouled, had the hands up in the air and everything. 
Yeah. Liz had 10 points. It's good to see Liz, but yeah, that was that was a rough night for the Sparks. Sparks lost five in a row. Yeah. And uh, the four games they lost right before that were one possession losses. Lost by two points and three by three points. Last night, lost by 28 points. But now the Aces put it to them. The Aces... Uh, tied in WNBA record last night by making 18 threes. Pretty phenomenal. So get out there Tuesday night. Get your tickets tickets at access.com, AXS.com, or uh, listen if you can't get out there to the broadcast uh, with yours truly. Great time there. But, uh, yeah, Aces were, were phenomenal last night. Becky Hammond's really got this team going uh, everyone has bought in here. It was a rough stretch, even though they had home games, but they played four games in eight days, played every other day. And now they're going to get some time off here today, total off, back to practice tomorrow, and then uh, going to board the plane on Friday. Got to fly commercial still, uh, going to Chicago. Hopefully not any problems. And then they're coming right back home. So where they have the problems is when you have the multi-city trips. That's where it kind of get, gets tough for you there. But uh, then they come back and play Tuesday night against Connecticut. So two big-time games. Chicago, the defending WNBA champs. And again, the Aces thought they were going to face Chicago last year. Man, I was looking forward to going to Chicago last year. You know, I mean, you could have went to Froggies. And, I, and I, I talked about this so much back in October. It was like, you know, ugh, I thought the Aces were going to win, go to Chicago for that series. Mostly for, you know, restaurant, you know, my restaurant needs. But anyway, yeah. So Chicago's a big game. Tuesday's a big game at home against Connecticut. And as Becky Hammond said last night, it's going to tell us a lot about our team and where uh, we are at. But right now, where they're at, best team in the WNBA record-wise, seven victories and one loss. And they've won five in a row. They really played one bad half of basketball, and that was to the Washington Mystics when they lost on the road at Washington where they had a 13-point halftime lead. And then uh, Elena Deladon and company, um, got the better of them in that second half. And that's the only blemish. You know, and how about Becky Hammond? You know, get a chance to talk to her all the time, and she's just saying, hey, start to the defensive end. You know, they have bought in. You know, everyone's got the green light. And uh, last night I was, I was surprised that they were firing up threes when they were leading by 30 basically the you know, entire second half. And they continued to fire up threes to try to get that record. And uh, rookie Asia Shepard got uh, – you know, the rookie from Virginia Tech, she actually hit the, the game tying, or not the game tying, the record tying three pointer to made it 18. Kirsten Bell, rookie from Florida Gulf Coast. Yeah, good looking young players. So, all right. Continue uh, following the Aces, watching the Aces, and of course, uh, many Aces, of course, guests on this show. All right. Some more uh, terrible Tuesday thoughts here. You know, since. Uh, well, I was going at it in the first hour, and we uh, had some more. So I want to hit a couple more things. And one is that we talked about the last couple days after it happened was the Tim Anderson versus Josh Donaldson fiasco that we've seen here. And so just to kind of update everybody what had transpired here. So... Benches cleared at Yankee Stadium on Saturday as the White Sox are playing the Yankees. Now, this was Saturday. Now, it all started this, as I like to say, Tim Anderson versus Josh Donaldson. Tim Anderson is a, 
plays for the plays for the uh, White Sox, infielder for the White Sox. Josh Donaldson, third baseman for the Yankees. It all started last week when these teams were playing the series in Chicago. Uh, Donaldson was playing third base, and Tim Anderson was on third as a runner. Um, got a big lead off of third. They attempted a pickoff play, and Anderson slid back into third. Donaldson applied a very hard tag on Anderson, and Anderson uh, didn't take too kindly to that. So we fast forward. Some words were exchanged at that point in time. We fast forward to last Saturday. Now they're playing in Yankee Stadium. It's the bottom of the first inning of Saturday's game, and Donaldson is rounding second after a third out was made. And Anderson stops Donaldson, and they have some words as Donaldson's getting ready to go back to the dugout and get his glove. And so they have some words. Then in the fifth inning, when Donaldson comes up to the plate to bat again, Yasmani Grandal, who's the catcher for the White Sox, has some words with Donaldson. He's like, before Donaldson gets in the box, Grandal is like standing in, in his ear, and Donaldson's like shaking his head. And next thing you know, here comes Tim Anderson from his position coming over and saying, oh, I'm getting involved in this stuff. And then here come the outfielders. Here come the infielders. Here comes the bench, uh, you know, the bench uh, players from the Yankees. Everyone's coming on the field. And no punches were thrown, but just there's more arguing here. So while Anderson was complaining about the hard tag, you know, going back to last week, Donaldson said, relax, Jackie. Now, this is what this is all about, saying, relax, Jackie. Called him Jackie. Now, if you don't know the reference Jackie, well, no one really knows what the reference was until you had to dig deep and you had to hear the explanation from Donaldson and you had to go back and remember what Tim Anderson said about himself in an article, in an interview going back two years ago where, you know, you say, okay, what's this Jackie reference? Well, in this that article two years ago, Tim Anderson referred to himself as the modern-day Jackie Roberts Robinson. He called himself this. Being interviewed, he says, well, I consider myself like the modern-day Jackie Robinson. What he meant by that, I have no idea. I think he's trying to say that you know, his game is so good, or I, mean, it, I don't view Tim Anderson as being any groundbreaking because there is no groundbreaking scenario with that. You know, we're, we're not back in the, in, in the 40s and the 50s right now. So I think he met himself as being a great player like Jackie Robinson. And again, Anderson has really kind of refused to talk about this. Instead, he just wants to jaw Donaldson about this. So when the media approached Donaldson, the post game on Saturday, they're asking him, what is this all about? So he addressed the comments. He said that I'm just referring to Tim Anderson, referring to himself as Jackie Robinson. He goes, yeah, I, I, I read an article where he called himself Jackie Robinson. Now, people are trying to make this a racial thing. Tony La Russa, after the game, the manager of the White Sox, was irate when he was questioned about it, saying, yeah, he goes, it's a racial thing, and he was mad about it. Saying Josh Donaldson's downright wrong. He had no no reason to say that to Tim Anderson. Well, of course, he's going to play Papa Bear here and protect his player. Let me tell you what this is about. This is about a cocky guy in, in Anderson and a cocky guy in Donaldson. And they had words. They had words. That's it. That's what this thing is all about. We've got audio with this. 
Uh, Nemchuk, play away. Alright, so first inning I called him Jackie. So let me give you a little context of that. 2019, he came out with an interview and said that he's a new Jackie Robinson of baseball. He's going to bring back fun to the game, right? And 2019, when I played for Atlanta, we actually joked about that on the game. Um, I don't know what's changed from, and I've said it to him uh, in years past, not not in any manner than just joking around for the fact that he called himself Jackie Robinson, you know. Um, so, you know, if something has changed uh, from that, like my meaning of that is not at any term uh, trying to be racist by any fact of the matter. Um, it was just off of an interview that what he called himself. And when we said that before we joked about it, he laughed, whatever. Uh, as you could tell in our series that we played, there's been multiple times where I've tried to defuse the situation. Like I, I took responsibility for the tag, wasn't trying to do anything there. Like today, just trying to defuse it. Like, hey, like make light. Like, hey, I, we're not trying to start any brawls or anything like that. Um, obviously, he deemed that it was disrespectful. And look, if he did, I apologize. Like that's not what I was trying to do by any manner. Um, and you know. That's really, that's what happened. And I'm with Josh Donaldson all the way here. And here's the thing a lot of times when the media gets skewed. You never heard, and I'm not going to say you never heard because maybe you did here, okay? But I've been watching ESPN. I've been watching the other outlets. I've never seen that entire clip played. You know the clip that's been played? Well, if, if he took it that way, I apologize. Heard the last 10 seconds of that clip. And that's what you get a lot of times with TV. They, they hit that. If you hear the entire explanation, how can you not think that Josh Donaldson is sincere in what he's saying here? Because in every video that you see of uh, the confrontation taking place here, that Josh Donaldson has tried to defuel the situation here. He didn't escalate it. Tim Anderson's the one. Okay, and it goes back to the, the tag. Okay, you're in a situation where you're on third base, you dive back, you're in an intense game, and Donaldson comes and slaps a hard, hard tag on him. Okay, was it malicious? Absolutely not. It, did it come down on the head or whatever, neck area or shoulder? Okay, yeah, fine. But no, no, not at all. And then Anderson wants to take homage to that. No, that's where it is. And you have not heard Tim Anderson say anything, have you? Why doesn't he come and explain himself? But no, he just wants that narrative out there. He wants that racial narrative out there. And if you listen to Josh Donaldson, he's telling you. It's going back. Has anybody said anything that Tim Anderson say that's been going on for a couple years? Josh Donaldson said, this is going back a couple years. We've been playing against each other. These guys have been playing against each other for years. And he said, hey, Jackie, or relax, Jackie, you know, after that, like, why are you getting all fired up? You haven't seen Donaldson get in his face. And Donaldson gets suspended for a game? Why did Josh Donaldson get suspended? And he appealed. So therefore, he can continue to play because he's appealing. Now, on a side note, Donaldson's out because he has COVID right now. Okay, that's neither here nor there about this story. Bottom line is, he should win his appeal. And it's very rare that players or managers, they get appeals overturned here. But in this situation... 
What did Josh Donaldson do wrong? You called himself Jackie. I'm going to have some fun with you. Oh, you think you're Jackie Robinson? That's what Donaldson thinking. You think you're Jackie Robinson? You want to come chirp at me? Okay, Jackie. Relax, Jackie. And that's going to get you fired up. How do you equate that to a, a, a racial slur? And no one's used that word, have they? Because it's not. And, and it makes me sick that people, whether it's media, whether it's players, whether it's other people that are trying to instigate this to try to make this a racial issue. We're just so, you know, so eager to make this a racial issue, huh? I told you what it's about. It, it, it's a cocky Anderson and a cocky Donaldson. They had words. That's it. Oh, yo, by the way, it's one black player and one white player. You know, if a white player and a black player get into a fist fight, is it just assumed that it's about race? That it started over a racial comment? No, it's two guys maybe that don't like each other. Or two guys that, you know, are jawing at each other and they want to throw down. There was nothing racist about this. Donaldson's just saying to Tim Anderson, you're no Jackie Robinson. That's really what he's saying. You know Jackie Robinson. Why are you calling yourself Jackie Robinson? Okay, have some fun with it. Okay, Jackie. That's ridiculous. Totally ridiculous. And the bench is cleared. There was there was there was there was nothing that happened with this thing. So anyway, that's pretty much the end of that story. All right. Major League Baseball. On a fun note here, let me get to this. Uh watching the Cubs and Reds yesterday. All right. There's foul ball. This is at Great America Ballpark. Foul ball gets fouled off. It goes in the seats. The ball lands in a cup of beer. Yes, actually landed in a cup of beer. Like, took a bounce. Uh, no one made the catch. About six rows uh, deep behind the third base dugout, and it lands in the cup of beer. Announcers had, had a little fun uh, with this. And uh, what happens? This is the guy who got the baseball, looks at his beer, What's he do with it? Takes a drink. Inside out. Fought foul. He just provided the greatest additive to a beverage. <laughs> the baseball landed in a beer cup, and he just housed the whole beer with the ball in the cup. And the whole thing just went on the video board and egged on by the crowd. He chugged it. <laughs> little rosin, little dirt. Thank goodness they've outlawed the spitball. <laughs> doesn't mean that it doesn't happen with the spitball. So let's talk about this. Yeah, if a beer, if a, if a ball landed in your beer or beverage, are you taking the ball out or are you going to guzzle it and drink it? It's disgusting. It's ridiculous. Do we know where that ball's been? Of course you know where that ball's been. It's been in the dirt. It's been rubbed up by uh, some guys, you know, you know, back in the clubhouse. The umpires tossed it out. The pitcher is rubbing it. It's, uh, well, we know that wasn't fouled off where because, you know, once that happens, they throw the ball out of play. But, yeah, for at least for a while, it's, you know, it was in that pitcher's hand. Do we know where that pitcher's hand has been? Yes. You know what has been done to that ball? By the way, any COVID concerns there? No one's talking about that, right? COVID's over, right? You don't see anyone wearing, you know, for the most part, you don't see anyone wearing masks in the stands anymore. And this guy is chugging his beer with a dirty, filthy baseball in a minute. He doesn't care. And everyone's laughing about that. Yeah, a little disgusting, 
about touching a baseball and then how about drinking? Drinking from the beverage right there. That guy uh, needs to have his head examined a little bit too. And I will say this. COVID's not over. I don't think there's a vaccine for that. Not a vaccine for ball and beer, is there? <laughs> there you go. All right. I want to leave you with this one here on a terrible Tuesday. Uh, John Daly, the golfer. Okay. John Daly had an interview with Graham uh, Biesinger, okay, who has interviewed a lot of uh, celebrities uh, over the years. And he had a nice little sit-down with John Daly. And now... To back up the story, John Daly made an appearance at the PGA Championship where they did this silly thing. And that's part of a terrible Tuesday uh, as well, too. So Joe Buck has got some ham and egg that he's doing this thing with, and they're trying to recreate uh, the the Peyton Manning thing. Um, and we're Peyton and Eli are on there, so he's got a couple guys. So he has John Daly on. There's John Daly. goes, hey, Joe Buck says, John Daly, uh, where are you at right now? He goes, oh, I'm over here. You know, the PGA Championship. Uh, I'm parked in my trailer right now. That's where he's at. I'm parked in a trailer in a church. And he's smoking cigarettes as he's doing this. Yeah. Just, so they're having a little laugh with that. Daily looked like he hadn't shaved, um, you know, in, in, in a long time. So. so in this interview, we've got John Daly talking uh, about a few different topics. Talking about smoking and his diet right now with just the amount of, of, uh, of diet Cokes that he had during his time on the tour and he continues to have right now. You calculated that um, you, you smoke up to 18,000 cigarettes a year and that was calculation you had in your book just based on two to three packs of cigarettes a, a day. Um, yeah, I don't know if you're still smoking that much, but how long... Have you smoked that much for? I started smoking when I was 19. Smoked for almost 29 years. Um, I smoked about the same as the book, two packs, two, two and a half packs a day. But at that time, I had started smoking that much. Before that, I was only smoking maybe a pack, pack, a pack and a half. Any desire to stop? I, no. None? <laughs> no, not really. So you've also calculated that you drink upwards of 515 gallons of Diet Coke a year, and that was based on drinking 15 cans of Diet Coke a day, and it might have lessened <laughs> some, but how do you even consume that much soda in a day? I used to drink anywhere from 12 to 20 Diet Cokes a day. How? I went to McDonald's three or four times a day. To me, they always had the best fountain drink, fountain Diet Coke. I don't know, because I don't drink water. I hate water. I cannot stand to you, drink you, water. You don't drink water at all? No, Rich Beam and some of the guys, they call me the camel because I don't drink water. I never drink water on tour. Uh, how often did you used to eat McDonald's? Quite a bit. You know, Burger King, McDonald's, Taco Bell, all of them. And what's quite a bit? Um, I, could, I used to be able to eat like two Big Macs, two or three cheeseburgers, chocolate shake, a diet, or a regular Coke back then, you know, before I started drinking Diet Cokes. In a sitting pretty easily. In one sitting. There it is. <laughs> John Daly. Talk about his smoking habits, his diet, this and that. You know, there, there are a lot of people that we know that have an addiction to soda. One was our dear friend, of course, Ballpark Frank, as we knew. 
And we yes. would have some fun with that. And Numchuck is not far behind. You come into this studio every day with Dr. Peppers, Coca-Colas. Red you, with Frank, it was just straight Coca-Cola. I mean, he should have been sponsored by Coke. You know what I mean? But with you, and now today, true story, I mean, he, he's got a six-pack of Dr. Pepper during this show, which has only got not even an hour and a half yet. He's already gone through two. How many, no, trying, how many Dr. Peppers or sodas do you go through in a day? Probably six or seven 20 ounces. How many cigarettes or packs do you go through in a day? I'm not even close to a pack a day. You're not even close. Honestly, okay. like okay. I smoke. You used here. to though, right? I, I used to be bad. I used to be like probably a pack a day. What is the attraction? And again, the commonality here, but with soda and cigarettes. This is what I don't understand. I mean, it's like you know, popcorn and Pepsi or something for me, or my Lay's potato. What is it with cigarettes and soda? Because I see so many people do it. They get up in the morning, cigarette, soda. It's six o'clock in the morning. Exactly. Go to bed, midnight. Get up in the middle of the night, cigarette, soda. What is the attraction with that? Why do the coffee and cigarettes? Why? I mean, that's a great thing. Okay, it's a great thing. All right, so you're on the John Daly path. I'm on the John Daly path. <laughs> yes, that's it. Now, Al- along with the other, with our next clip as well. With our next clip. Okay, so that's John Daly's diet. In this interview, he also talked about his ex- sexual needs. So, why do you believe sex helps your golf game? I always have. I'm somewhat of an info, anyways. So apparently, um, according to the book, I, I don't know. I just love it. I, I just feel like in the mornings, especially. I mean, it makes a great day. Starts the day off right. Positive attitude. You feel good, knowing somebody loves you. When you aren't getting sex, do you not play as well? No, I don't usually. <laughs> but trust me, me and Anna have plenty of sex. So <laughs> I, I know where you're going with this, but <laughs> no, I mean it's. I haven't been playing great golf, but that's not because of that, I promise you. But, no, it's just, I don't know. I just, I love sex. I, I love it. Yeah, I mean, you I said in the book, like, three or four times a day and that you're horny all the time. Yeah, I am. I mean, this was Sick. 2006 you wrote the book. I'm you still think- the same way, too. I, I Just stupid, but I don't know. I just love it. You And you really try and, like, best your own sex records of times in a day? Well, t- uh, yeah, I think Betty and I did it 10 times one day. There it is, John Daly, talking about his diet and uh, his sex. There it is. Oh, John Daly's got a little bit of a problem. And, I'm tra- and again, you fit right into that as well, too. I think he's got you beat. He does. But the difference between John Daly, I think, and, and your situation, we're not talking about self-gratification with you. That's, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> There's a terrible Tuesday. If you got some terrible Tuesday takes going back to the first hour or this one, hit me, TC Martin 21. A little too live crew, there you go. Who remembers this back in the day? Sitting at home watching Arsenio Hall. I got my black book for a freak to call. Picked up the telephone and dialed the seven digits. Said, Yo, this Marquis baby, are you down? Arrived at a house, knocked on the door, not having no idea of what the night had in store. I'm like a dog in heat, a freak without warning, not having appetite for love. Cause me so horny. Check out his big stethoscope. Or not. 
It's the Dr. T.C. Martin. Uh, there we go. All right, so uh, we just uh, talked about John Daly, all right, with uh, his uh, recent interview uh, before the break there. So we're talking golf, right? So we have to bring in our golf guru and our expert who we visited with last week, our good friend Scott Savloff, producer, director, extraordinaire. What's going on, Scott? Well, you know, it's just so hard to focus with that kind of music going on. It's it's so golf-like. I, I don't know what else to say. Well, we just got done playing the uh, clips of John Daly in his uh, most recent interview. And I don't know if you got a chance to uh, to hear or see that with Graham Bessinger about where uh, uh, John Daly was talking about his sex life. Talking about how before he would uh, you know, go to these tournaments that he would have sex sometimes up to 10 times a day. So we're just going to ask our golf expert, uh, is that advised? Look, if you can have sex 10 times a day, I don't care what your situation is, just do it. Because my hat's off to you. I think that's an amazing feat in itself. You can do it! Exactly. Exactly. Now, here's the thing about J.D. He is, uh, uh, you know, one of those characters that golf, really needs today. Um, we wish he was in better health and better, you know, better shape and all those things because he's, he's a character, right? He was never saying bad things about other people. It's always about things, exactly what you're talking about there. And then, then there's the true John Daly. Okay. So was he a goofball in his prime? A hundred percent. Uh, but when I first had him at one of my events, which was in Las Vegas, oh, wow. VH1, fair way to have it. Yeah. Did it for for years in Vegas. And I booked John into the into the event, and it was a real fun year. But, but nonetheless, I didn't know what to make of it. Now, he was up all night gambling, okay? So we're at the golf course at 7 a.m., getting ready for a 9 Nine o'clock shotgun, you know, everybody's going to arrive. And around seven o'clock, the volunteers are arriving and they said, Hey, there's a guy helping us hang up signage for you over by the clubhouse. He, I think he's one of the players. I'm like, what are you talking about? (laughs) And I go over there and it's JD. And he's like, you know what? I was up. I might as well make myself useful and help the volunteers. Wow. So, you could say all the goofy things, and he is a goofball. But he is one of those guys that, if you know him, you're going to give him a big hug, and you want to hear his stories because he is a great guy. But based, but based on what you're saying, I don't know if I want to hug him too close. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so would you say there's a comparison there of John Daly and Roy McAvoy from Tin Cup? I would say, <laughs> I would say that John is one of let's again fair way to heaven. He shows up in his mobile home, right? Yeah. And in that mobile home, it, you know, now 
I don't know if it was legal, wasn't legal, but it, it, it was like a Cheech and Chong uh, movie, okay? It come, opens the door of the mobile home, and it's like, whoa. You could, you, you could see it the entire course. But all the players go in. Everybody comes out. He comes out barefoot to play in the tournament. He's playing a guitar. I, I even said to him on air, look, if you putt out with your guitar, the, the back nine, every time you make a putt, I'll give you an extra stroke off. And he played the back nine with his guitar instead of a putter. <laughs> There's John right now playing his guitar right now. He's doing it for us. This There you go. <laughs> you cannot get a better guy to do that. Um, the last time I saw him was here in San Diego at Del Mar Country Club. And it was, he, he was going to drive up to uh, Pebble Beach. And I saw him, and he uh, literally looked like Santa Claus. Yeah. Because he has the white beard, right. the white hair. And, and then as I got closer, it's John. And, you know, I'm like, hey, J.D., it's a big hug. What are you doing here? And You can't find a nicer guy. Um, you know, his stories are his stories. But at the end of the day, I look at it as, is that a guy you want to have over at your house for dinner? Yeah. <laughs> Because he, well, he, he means well, and he would never do anything mean-spirited to anybody. But wouldn't you rather have him at maybe your neighbor's house? I mean, because he, if he starts you know, drinking what he's doing, and then he finds a lovely lady, and he's going at it maybe eight, ten times, you might want him tearing up the neighbor's house, wouldn't you, Scott, instead of your house? You want to be at that party, but maybe not I, on your premises. I stand corrected. <laughs> Exactly. But 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 I'll tell you what, as a player, people don't realize just how good that dude was. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was like the first real long wild swing hitter. But that guy had great hands around the green. He could putt, he could chip, he had every part of that game. And uh, you know, he had his demons, as do many people. He's just that's what's so lovable about him. He is the average guy. And you can relate to him. He's just the average guy who had an amazing talent, God-given talent, hit a golf ball. So you're a Hollywood guy. I mean, come on now. You're a golf guy. You're a Hollywood guy. You're a producer. We got to know here. I mean, Tin Cup had to be after John Daly. I mean, Roy McAvoy had there. There, I mean, you're talking about a trailer in the trailer, drinking, doing all this stuff. Roy McAvoy, Kevin Costner being a goofball. I mean, there, there has to be this correlation there, right? Who direct? Who wrote that movie? Come on. Well, the interesting thing, you know, if you ask Gary McCord, we can get him on the phone if you need him. Yes, but McCord, McCord really weighed in on the scripts, and there's a lot of other players too in there that um you know that probably was more don johnson right right and and so when you it's like the guy who wouldn't sign the autographs for the kids and you're like really you know when you sit when you saw that today the guys are so they're like i'm not saying they're like robots but they're they're customized they they just 
they they give high fives as they're walking in. They, you know, they're very much lacking that personality of a John Daly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I, as a television producer of golf, it, you couldn't have enough of John Daly. You, you know, I wasn't the guy that wanted to see the car, you know, the car crash, the, the train wreck days. I wanted to see John in his, in his heyday because he, he was dressed like Roy McAvoy with 18 <laughs> logos on his, you know, on his windbreaker. But he was that guy that, again, I related to him as you, you could see him at your, at your Muni. <laughs> right. And, you know what I mean? He just yeah. rolls out of bed. He's, he, he had a few, a few cocktails, a few puffs on something, and he rolls out of bed. He's eating, you know, a, a, a burrito, and boom, he gets out there and plays. Now, the difference is he's four under. Right. There's, there's no one at your muni rolling in <laughs> at four under par. Yeah, nobody's uh, hitting the ball about 350 off the tee either at your muni. No, and and here's the other thing too. Really loyal to the University of Arkansas. Really loyal to the state of Arkansas. You know, if you go to John Tyson, right, who I think is an Augusta member, and you know Tyson Chicken, Tyson Foods, and you ask him who's his guy that he when he built his golf course that was there to try to lure in better names and members, it's John Daly. So. Again, despite all the nonsense, the dude can can light it up, but he also was a true gentleman when he wanted to be. Scott Savloff uh, joins us again, producer of so many golf events and also made for TV uh, programs as well, too. And you mentioned, you know, the fairway to heaven that you had here in Vegas. You mentioned John. There had to be so many stories uh, there as well with JD like and I know you touched on one but uh, just embellish us a little bit more I mean give us maybe one or two more of either daily or somebody else I mean I mean outside of the course or, or whatever I mean again I can only imagine John Daly in Las Vegas I mean that's a movie right there I mean that's a comedy itself it, it, all I could say is there's been so many people approaching to write books on that event. That's the crazy event because at that time it was before cell phones and before, well, I guess I shouldn't say that because it, it was cell phones, but it, it, it really was before social media. So the only way really tour players and musicians got together was at an event like that. And that was the attraction today. Anybody can meet anybody because you could direct message, you know, DM someone or any way you want. You can probably reach out and meet somebody. But back then, it wasn't so easy. So I would be the person that would, you know, call up and say to a tour player, how would you like to play with, you know, Tico Torres from Bon Jovi? How would you like to play with whomever? And you pair them up, and now you got great rockers, Great tour players. Now that's where it starts. And then the fun starts because I'm telling you, we, it was never a year that I, when we did all of our uh, events, we were housed at the Hard Rock Hotel, right? Now it's, now it's the, the, uh, um, the Virgin, 
But back then, there was the Hard Rock in its heyday. There was never a year that the general manager, I'd go to the golf course and come back, and there'd be a message, you got to go up to the GM's office. And i go up there, and, and, and everybody forgets, because they're hammered, that there's a camera everywhere in Vegas. <laughs> and they shut the door, Scott. And you go in, you shut the door, and there's so-and-so, your course correspondent, and she was obliterated, and she's doing all these nasties in the elevator. And you're like, what the heck are you doing? And you just laugh, and you just roll with it. That's, that was fair way to have it. It was just wild. When Daly came, we're playing Las Vegas Country Club. Now, I believe it's the ninth hole that I don't know if it's changed, but it, it used to be it would come in towards the clubhouse. It was a par four or five. It was just, you know, I forgot. We would set it as a par four, you know, with all the hitters, blah, 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 because they play a team scramble. But daily comes to tees barefoot. So I know <laughs> this is like, 10 o'clock in the morning. Now, we're going to have Flying Elvi are officially to start the tournament. And they're going to they're gonna jump out of a plane. They're going to – all these Elvi are in the air. And, and Daly starts anyway. I go, dude, you cannot do that. The cameras come to him. He goes, I'm going to play now. I, I'm, I'm not waiting for anybody. I don't care about any Elvis coming in. Uh, unless it's the real king, I don't care. <laughs> So I said to him, I'll tell you what. And they're probably at 350 yards from where we were. I said, if you can hit one of those Elvi dropping, I'll give your team a stroke off. He just, he throws his cigarette on the ground, flicks it to the ground, drops the ball on the ground, no tee, grabs his driver barefoot and smokes it. And you hear this off a guy's helmet. The guy comes to the ground, he's holding his parachute, walking down the fairway, like fist up in the air, like, who hit me? Who hit me? We have a camera on the guy, and there's J.D., picks up his cigarette, <laughs> takes a good puff. Well, I guess we're uh, starting from that point, uh, line zero. <laughs> John Daly. That, that is J.D. <laughs> Unbelievable. Now, if you told me that that guy had an app that he designed, that gives you the directions and his rankings of the best strip clubs in every city in America, I would say that that's an accurate assessment of John Daly. <laughs> so, Scott, you know, we, we're talking about golf and where it is now. We've talked about Tiger Woods. I want to get to that, you know, you know real quick here. But you're right. Golf needs Guys like John Daly, they need characters, and we don't have enough. I mean, over time, we really we've had some, but it seems like we don't get any. And now, you know, the biggest talking points of golf are these guys that want to argue each, with each other or talk trash with each other, and then it just never it really develops into anything. I mean, we're trying to really make up these rivalries. We just really don't have them anymore like we did back in the day. I mean, isn't that what golf is really missing right now to really connect with the, the mainstream you know, public? It's just about 
desire to win and having just some individuality. There's nothing wrong with it. And that's what people would kind of latch on to. So that, that's why a guy like a John Daly can mess up and then come back and say, hey, I'm just like your, your typical neighbor, but I'm really sorry it happened. Look, give me another shot, and away we go. Right? That's John Daly. That's what we need is guys that can actually just get out there and play, have some individuality, because with that individuality and that want to win, it doesn't have to be like everybody's in doing kumbaya every single time they're cheering for each other and they're they're you know they're out there and it's it's just uh, you know basically a vanilla experience. To me, it's it's just like okay, but, but wind it, it up. It's a vanilla experience. There's it, no there's no drive. Is the money the main reason for that, though? Everybody's making money. I mean, the purses are so big, and then the endorsements on side of that. Everyone's got a ton of sponsors right now. So, so really, I mean, isn't that kind of a, which kind of creates the softness, I guess, so to speak? Yeah, but but don't you think, at the end of the day, as an athlete, you just want to win. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying you have to. You know, Patrick Reed was accused a couple of times of cheating and this and that. And, you know, and he, he was, you know, but, but when he was winning at the uh, Ryder Cup, he was Captain America. And everybody loved him because he was volatile. He was emotional, right? That's why everybody got behind Patrick Reed. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden it's like he loses some of that luster and he kind of disappears on us. You need guys that can actually ruffle the other guy's feathers and doesn't care. He just wants to win mm-hmm. or she just wants to win. You know, women's golf, you want that. You want someone to just get out there and I don't need to be politically correct every day mm-hmm. and say the right thing. And, you know, Oh, you know, good. He, he won, but he deserved it. And that's great. <laughs> Heck no. I lost. Right. I'm not happy I lost. Right? I mean, that's what you're talking about. You want to see that, you know, that's what made Tiger such a dominant player. Because, you know, what we just witnessed at the PGA Championship, right, was coming down holes 15, 16, 17, 18. If Tiger was playing, they all fold. And he just plays his game. All those guys, they would fold because mentally, for whatever reason, they they just they, their their head got in the way of their golf game, and they fell apart. And that's how Justin Thomas posts the number. He's sitting inside, going, "Boy, that that looks awfully good, considering all these guys are coming in. They're just blowing up on themselves." It was a phenomenal uh, ending. Uh, drama filled the last hour on Sunday. Justin Thomas uh, started the day at uh, two under, and then the playoff with Zella Torres. Uh, yeah, Thomas comes back from seven strokes set to win it. That was a story. Tiger Woods' performance with Drew after Saturday's third round. He shot a 79. Real quick, because we got to get going here, Scott. But, I mean, he just looks like Tiger Woods is just – he's resembling an aging quarterback or an aging player. Uh, real quick here, what's next for Tiger? Tiger's got to get, you know, we talked about it last week. Tiger's got to get 
either healthy or he's got to make an adjustment. Or he's 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 got to come to terms with it because he's going to play his game. He's going to play what he's got now, but that's not going to get it done. And that guy has to win in his mind. The only way to play in these tournaments is to win, and he has to get healthy. You know, we talked about it. I, I was pulling for Zelatoris because I, I was hoping that I could call you back and just say, hey, how about that for a prediction? Uh, exactly. I, you were there. Right. I, you were there, I, my I friend. Him out, and, and the kid blows it, but. but, but hey, he but, got there, man. He, he, got to, he got to the playoff. Come on. He did, but with Tiger, you kind of want, you know, as, as someone who loves watching competitors, watching people who are the, you know, the top of their game, He's a guy, I, I would want him to get some voice from his camp saying, hey, let's shut it down until you're really healthy. Even if it, if it takes another year, shut it down right, right. until you're healthy. I, I don't know if that, that's ever going to happen because pe- you know, people want to see him. He wants to play. I'd shut him down. Get healthy. Mm-hmm. Your game's going to be there. And the, the fans will always be there for him. And, and TV will love him you got to get help. Nobody wants to see this guy hobbling around a course, not at all. Scott, great no, stuff, it, man. We, we will uh, we'll, we'll get you right back on here. Uh, we got a summer full of uh, great golf tournaments, man. But great stuff. So appreciate the JD stories. Outstanding stuff. And especially the Vegas stories as well, too. Well, well TC, thank you. And, and again, uh, please, if you can, go to at uh, Scott Sablo mm-hmm. and, and listen to the, the Path Here podcast. There it is. The Path Here podcast. We talked about it last time. It's available wherever you find your podcast. Great uh, in-depth stuff there from Scott Savloff, The Path Here. And on YouTube now, mind you. That's right. There it is. On YouTube. Absolutely. On YouTube. Thanks. Thank you, TC. Appreciate it, pal. You got you it, take care. Thank you. Appreciate you. All right. I want to thank Scott for joining us here today. Also, Thurl Bailey as well, too. Great stuff there and plenty of terrible Tuesday takes, uh, as you know. All right. Back at it again tomorrow. Join us 2 o'clock. If you miss any part of the show, go check out the website, tcmartinshow.com. Go to the interview pages. All updated. Uh, you know, uh, last week's interview with Scott. Great stuff there. And uh, everything else as well, too. The classic page and the current page. We'll catch you tomorrow right here at 2.